Welcome to First Baptist Wiley. We're excited to bring you these weekly messages. Find out more about us or give online at fbw.church. Hey, Faith Family, it's Pastor Chris. What an incredible Easter weekend we had last weekend as we celebrated the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, we had a great crowd on our campus. We had so many of you join us online, and we saw many people give their lives to Christ. And so I hope many of you are back with us this week. And I just want you to know uh, just how much I appreciate you uh, letting me serve you as your pastor. I know you can go a lot of places. You can follow a lot of different leaders. Thank you so much for trusting me and just the leadership here at First Baptist Church in Wiley. And I'm very excited to share with you another message series, a new message series on the hills of where we were with Daniel and talking about uh, some subject matter that I believe get us stuck. You know, have you ever been stuck? All of us in our lives find ourselves here, wherever that is for you. You know, maybe you find yourself at the beginning of life and uh, you're, a, you're a student, you're in middle school, high school, or in college, and you're trying to make it to that next phase of life, or maybe you find yourself as a young adult, uh, maybe you're single, maybe you're newly married, maybe you're thinking about your family, your future, your job, whatever that is, maybe you're in midlife, you're an empty nester, maybe you're, you're toward the twilight years, which I really believe are some of the best years because you have the opportunity to serve the Lord with all the wisdom He's given you. But all of us find ourselves here, and we know that the Lord wants to take us there, and the problem with between here and there is sometimes we get stuck. Some of us really want to move to this next place. Like you know the next place the Lord would have you go, and yet you are so frustrated because you can't get from here to there. And over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of these things that get us stuck. Uh, some things like negative thoughts, uh, some things like fears, uh, some things like relationships, Today, I want to talk to us about a subject that I believe in the culture in which you and I live, the cancel culture, the woke culture, the culture that can turn on you faster than turning on the television in the mornings. I want to talk to you about this thing called unforgiveness. You know, if there's one, one characteristic that I truly believe that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that it most honors Him and is most Christ-like, it has to be this thing called forgiveness. When you think about the story of Easter, why did Jesus come to the earth? He came to the earth to pay for our sins. Why? So that God could forgive man of sin and give them access to himself. And so when you think about it, one of the most godly attributes that we can possibly possess as people is this thing called forgiveness. And yet I would submit to you that forgiveness is a very difficult thing, particularly in the culture in which we live. It was Archbishop Desmond Tutu who once said this, without forgiveness, there is no future. I love that quote because I think it just basically says in a much better way than I can say it, without forgiveness, there's no future. In other words, if I don't learn how to forgive, I'm never going to move from here to there. And so I don't know if you've ever heard this old, uh, this old adage that I have an ax to grind, but isn't it true with unforgiveness that we have an ax to grind? In fact, I just wonder as I'm speaking to you, is there a name that whenever you think about that name, I mean, you just burn with anger. You have an ax to grind. There's certain places you won't go because if you go to that place, you're going to see somebody. And if you see that person, you're going to be so angry with that person because of this thing that happened in the past. Or I wonder if, if 
you have a certain list, a, a list of wrongs that someone has done to you. In fact, you remember, you almost card catalog them in your mind because you know every single thing that person has done, every infraction that they have offended you with. I wonder if there's anybody who you feel entitled to say whatever you want to about. Like when that person's name is mentioned, you just feel like you can do and say whatever you want to about that person. See, those are axes we grind. And how did we get there? I mean, some of you have legitimate reasons to have axes to grind with people. I mean, there, there were some people who lied to you. Uh, they let you down. Uh, there were some people who used you and abused you. As I'm speaking to you, some of you were abused physically, emotionally, mentally, sexually. Um, some of you took, somebody took away your innocence. Somebody did those things. You have legitimate reasons to be upset. Someone took something that belonged to you. They, they broke up your home. Um, they, they, they took one of your children. They, they leveraged people against you. Um, you know, here's the thing about it. It's easy for us to, as we live, and particularly in the culture in which we find ourselves, to live with axes to grind. And yet, it, whenever you and I think about it, when we really think about it, don't you understand one of the highest attributes that we demonstrate in our own confession of Christ in a practical way is this ability to forgive. And so I want to challenge you not to have axes to grind. I want to challenge you to cut it out. In fact, say it with me. Cut it out. One more time, cut it out. And what I'm speaking about is this thing called unforgiveness. So i got five takeaways for, for, for you as we think about this thing called unforgiveness. you got to begin by asking yourself, are you stuck because of this thing called unforgiveness? First is this, cut it out and lose the excuses. I've shared this story, but even as I approach a mid-century in my own life, I'll never forget as just a like grade school kid, uh, my dad would drive our church bus and pick up senior adult women. And uh, there were these two women that every week he picked up. And I decided on this particular Sunday, I just want to help my dad, so I rode along with my dad. And we go pick up this one little lady, and she was a sweet lady. I'd known her all my entire life. And she got on the bus, and she sat down, and uh, we went and picked up this other lady. This other lady was a little bit less mobile. We had to kind of help her. We got her on the bus. And as she was walking down the aisle of the bus, I will never forget that the one woman who was already seated called her a name that you can't say in church, okay? Called her a name. And I heard this. And I looked at my dad. I said, Dad, did I, did I do? He goes, yeah, I'll just tell you about it later. I'll just tell you about it later. Oh, Okay. So we get these ladies to church, and by the way, they went to the same Sunday school class. They'd been in the same Sunday school class for decades. I mean, they were in that class that was so old that the next stop was heaven, you know. And I, I'll never forget, my dad told me, he said, yeah. He said, uh, the one lady who sat down, um, her husband had had an affair with a woman who walked by decades before. And the woman who was sitting in that chair um, every Sunday calls that woman that name when she gets on that bus. And I was blown away by this. I can understand the hurt of that, the betrayal of that. I get all that. But what I could not understand was this lack of forgiveness as a result of that decades later. Because the person who, you know, the offense was, was really was this man who, I mean, this guy's, you know, I'm assuming he repented. I'm assuming he's in heaven. I don't know. But the point is, these supposed mature believers 
had never moved on. This one lady in particular had never moved on. She was stuck for decades because of this. And so you got to lose the excuses. And there's some of you that you feel like you've been so offended that you like, pastor, you don't understand what happened to me. Well, here's what I do understand. I do understand the Lord Jesus Christ bled out on a cross for all the sins of the world. When you think about mass murderers, pedophiles, robbers, liars, people like you and me, I do understand that you and I have little to when you can consider what he forgave on the cross that day. But here's some common ones. One, it's too big an offense. It's just too big an offense. I, this, I will never be able to go over this. If you can't get over it, you don't understand something. You're saying that the cross wasn't sufficient. Um, time will heal all wounds. Time does not heal all wounds. Time lets things get bigger and grow hair, okay? That's all it does. It just festers until it pops, and it's just a dirty, bloody, ugly mess. Time does not heal all wounds. Um, some of you say, well, I will, I will, um, I'll get over it. I'll, I'll move beyond whenever they apologize. I got news for some of you. You're not getting those apologies. There's some people who are dead and in the grave and they offended you. They abused you. They hurt you. They lied about you. And you're never going to get that apology. And yet this person, some of them have been rotten corpse for years and they still, it's like their hand comes out of the grave and has power over you. Why? Because that is your excuse. Um, here's another one. It might happen again. Yeah, it might. It might. Don't put yourself in that place again. But you can't, you can't just stay offended and angry and unforgiven because of the possibility of what might or might not happen. Um, not until I forget. Not until I forget. You know, I can just tell you this. If you've been really deeply wounded, you're probably never going to forget. But here's what I pray for you. You will remember it less. You know, I'll just tell you this as a pastor, especially a guy who's been in a town for nearly 16 years, especially a guy who has been a part of a church that has gone through lots of changes, had lots of growth over these years. I want you to understand something. I have had people uh, say and send me some of the worst emails, do things to me, um, literally at my house, on my own property. And I'm just telling you something right now. If I held on um, to all of that, if if I if I if I didn't able to move on, I wouldn't still be in this chair, because it's it's interesting. Sometimes I'll be out with a friend or family, and and I'll say you know they'll, we'll run into somebody and they'll say, hey, isn't that person who did whatever to you in the past? And I'll have to go, uh, I, yeah, you know, now that you mention it, yeah, I hope and pray God gives you the ability to to forget. It's one of the greatest gifts He'll ever give you. You know, some some of you are saying, well, you know, they got to pay, they got to pay. You know, my excuse is I'm not going to forget because they need to pay. You have justice. You want justice. You think, man, that you you ought to be the judge, jury, and executioner. And the Bible clearly says, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And you, the problem is when you keep them in your court, it's too low. You got to elevate them to a higher court. God always will deal with people. You see, you got to cut it out, and it starts with losing your excuses. See, cut it out. Say it with me. Cut it out and realize unforgiveness hurts you the most. In fact, it hurts you really in three practical ways. You know, whenever you feel like uh, just holding this unforgiveness toward someone and you just seethe with anger and you just want their demise, it's almost like you are holding a hot coal uh, in your hand and you're expecting that to somehow transmit and translate to that person. It never does unforgiveness will burn you up and it will hurt you. How does it do it? One, it does it physically. 
Uh, there are some people that, that have physical problems because they're so angry at somebody in their past. James 5, 16 says, Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. You need to understand and recognize what unforgiveness is. It's a sin. You, you don't think of it that way because you've been offended. But unforgiveness is a sin. I know a man who, uh, even to this moment, uh, from things in his past, is still angry. In fact, still actively tries to promote people to a cause that happened years ago. And he's, he's, he's eaten up. You know what happens? And, and I've seen a decline in his, in his body. Your body holds cortisol, which is a stress hormone. A lot of times it makes you gain weight. Man, it makes you start looking old. It starts making you gray out because he is so angry. It affects you physically, but it also affects you spiritually. The Bible says this, uh, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that the passions are at war within you and you desire to, to have, not have and so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Like here's the thing, uh, it affects you spiritually. Like it, it affects the way you pray. Whenever you won't let this go, what, what it does is this. It, it, it's as if you uh, God can't bless a wrong motive. So you can't pray that, man, God will just deal with some, God, would you just throw them to the pit of lions? God made the fleas of a thousand camels infest their armpit. God's not going to honor those kind of prayers. Not only does it affect you spiritually, but it also affects you mentally. The scripture says in Romans 8, 6, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You know, if you're not experiencing life and peace mentally, it's probably because you're thinking about these lesser things. And it says this, A mind on the flesh brings death. And don't you understand something? That God's always going to deal with people. Like, if you will just trust the Lord, He will deal with anyone who has ever brought an infraction upon you. May not do it in the way you want, may not do it in the time you want, but He'll either do it here or He'll do it hereafter, but He will do it. In the meantime, you put your mind on the Spirit instead of on the flesh. You see, cut it out. Cut it out and understand what forgiveness is. I think some folks really don't understand this biblical understanding of what true forgiveness is. Because if it was true, a lot of us wouldn't be stuck today. And, and the, the problem is this. Some of you today, you really do have an ax to grind. There's somebody that if you could, like if God would give you a freebie, you take them out. I mean, think about who that is. I mean, in, in, and the thing is, you, you've so fantasized about this that it's, it's to this point that you, it's normative for you. It's normative. People who live in your wake hear regularly about this person, this situation, this thing. In fact, what's happened is this. You've become a victim to it. And don't you understand that, that Christ wants you to be a victor and not a victim? And you're going to stay stuck in unforgiveness until you fully understand what it is. And uh, let me just say this. Forgiveness by definition, and if you don't listen to anything else I say today, you ought to write this one thing down. Take a picture of the screen, do whatever you want to do. Forgiveness is a choice to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they offended me. One more time. Forgiveness is a choice to release a person from the obligation. They did this to me. They should pay this kind of way, however it is you think in your mind. 
that resulted when they, they offended you and they offended me. You have to let go of the offense. Now, a little sidebar here. Some of you are never going to get grace, by the way, because you take up the offense of other people. And you understand, a lot of times what you need to do is just stay in your lane. Because there's, I have come to realize that when I take up the offense of other people, I don't even get grace. So you don't, you don't need to offend, forgive people who have done nothing to you. Just stay in your lane. That's for free. Notice it's a choice. It's a choice. Um, but it's really not. And let me, let me show you. In the scripture, it says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, here's what's significant about this, this particular verse. It's right after the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We all know that. Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you're supposed to pray. And then right behind that, he puts that verse where he says, if you don't forgive people, your Father in heaven is not going to forgive you. And so check this out. Is it really a choice then? I mean, it, it's really more of a command. I mean, you can either obey or not obey, but it's really a command that you and I have to do this if we want our prayers to be heard. And if you find yourself in a situation where you don't think your prayers are being heard, you got to ask yourself this question, am I holding on to unforgiveness? Does it feel like my prayers aren't making it past the, the ceiling because I'm so angry at this person? God's not even listening to this anymore. Understand, there's a difference in positional and practical forgiveness. Positionally, you can be saved of all your sins, past, present, future, you die, you can go to heaven. But practically, because of this disobedience, you're not experiencing the benefit of the position. Notice this, it's also a cycle. It's a choice, but it's a cycle. I don't know about you, but I love going to the beach. One of the things I love seeing is when the tides come in and when the tides go out. High and low tide, it's a beautiful thing. And so it is with forgiveness. Forgiveness is like high and low tide. You know, whenever you make this choice to uh, for, forgive someone, there's going to be days, I promise you, that the tide is going to come in high and you're going to feel like you want to repossess that anger. You want to repossess that offense. You want to be upset with it. But, but you can't do that because it's a choice that must be redecided. And notice the cycle. One is this. There's no obligation. Remember what it says about forgiveness. It's a choice to release the person from the obligation that resulted when they offended me. If you truly forgive somebody, you, you're, not gonna, you're not expecting that apology. You're not expecting them to make the amends. Forgiveness has nothing to do with them and everything to do with you. Notice the second thing. There's no reminders. No reminders. Here's what I mean by that. If you, in fact, forgive someone, say someone comes and they do ask for your forgiveness. They do apologize to you. If you, and I'm going to tell you, I see this in homes all the time with spouses because spouses are the worst. We card catalog, if we're not careful, everything that person's ever done. And we can come back to 10 years ago. You remember when you, and, remember, and we just reach in and pull those things out. And here's the thing, true forgiveness, okay, it's a choice. Got to be redecided. No obligation. Here's what, no reminders. You know what I love about the Lord Jesus? 
He never throws in my face the sin of my past. Jesus never comes back, and once he's forgiven, he goes, oh, remember that? Now, I will say this. There are some reminders along the way that I remember, hey, you know what? I remember when you weren't tithing. Hey, remember the pain that that felt like? Don't put yourself in that position again. But Jesus never reminds us of something to make us to 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 make us feel bad or make us feel shame or make us feel guilt. And when you forgive somebody, you can't do that. It's not true forgiveness if you bring it up. So if you put the matter in the past that was dealt with, it's got to stay in the past. And what I find with so many people is they can't leave infractions, offense of the past in the past. And that's why you're stuck. That's why your family's the way it is. That's why you have the limited friendships you do because you can't get unstuck. Notice this, there's also no resentment. There's no resentment. Um, there's, this, there's not this low-grade anger about this person. You know, on my arm right here, I have this scar, and it's faded over the years. But it's right here. I'll never forget it because there's a girl named Jennifer was dating my best friend, Matt. And we were at the old, now it's Hurricane Harbor. We are at the old Wet n' Wild. And we were at Wet n' Wild. We were in the Lazy River, and they were dating, and she wanted me to leave them alone. I was the third wheel, and I guess I didn't get the hint. And old Jennifer reached over there with them, one of them big old girl talons, and she just scratched my arm, and it, it bled. It was this deep scratch, and for years, it was even more prominent than it is right now. You know what, though? Um, we've grown up. Uh, I forgave Jennifer. Jennifer's a friend. Uh, this is her birthday this past week. I said, happy birthday on Facebook. You know what? No resentment. You can't have resentment if you're going to forgive. I can tell you right now, it will doom your family. It will doom your life. If you hold on to that, it's a choice and it's a cycle. Cut it out. And don't let bitterness take root. You know, when you think about a tree and you, and you see the trunk of that tree and obviously all the branches with the leaves, what you don't realize is beneath that, and the bigger that tree is, there's a, there's a greater developed root system underneath it. And so sometimes um, you, you can... You, you, things can look alive, but they're actually dead. I've had some work done at my house, and I was I was talking to a contractor who was doing some things, and he told me, he he's predicted, I'm curious to see if it's going to be true. I really think it is. He said, hey, um, because of some things we did in your yard, and we really got into the root system of a tree, that tree is probably going to die, probably going to die in a couple of years. So don't you understand, for a couple of years, this tree in my yard is probably going to be hanging around, then eventually it's going to die out. Some of you have got to kill the roots because this forgiveness thing is never going to happen until you deal with it at a root issue. Bitterness, by definition, is this. It's intensely unpleasant, especially in coldness or rawness. It is this, um, this deep-seated feeling of resentment and animosity. And Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says this, "'Strive for peace with everyone.'" and for the holiness with which no one will see God. Did you hear that? Without the holiness, no one sees God. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's huge, the grace of God. This supernatural empowerment to do what you cannot do. And look at this, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Do you not understand? that this, this unforgiveness in your life is, is almost, if in, in families, it can become generational. 
There's just this deep-seated bitterness. And, and so there's certain factions of the family we won't talk to and we're estranged from. And there's certain people that we, and it's from this deep-seated. And here's what's interesting. Christians are some of the worst at holding on to this. They will hold on to it. And so how do you get rid of this one? It's this. you got to ask God. It's got to be revealed to you by God. It has got to be revealed to you by God in the woke, woke, angry culture in which we live where people love to be outraged. They're addicted to it. You have to say the words of Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Don't you understand that if God reveals this to you, and, and here's the thing, how many of us have really stopped and asked God to reveal to us? Some of us are in the middle of feuds. Some of us hold on to these things that honestly, you should have never been engaged in. You should have never taken the bait. I mean, churches have been divided. People have been estranged. Why? Because they took up the offense of even someone else, which leads us to the second thing, it's removed by grace. You see, you can't do it yourself. If you're going to forgive somebody, God's going to give you the supernatural ability to do it. Grace is the enablement to do His will. It is the enablement. It is only through grace that you are going to be able to forgive some of the most vile, horrible things that have been done to you. James 4, 6 says this, but He gives more grace. And therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see, let me demonstrate this. I think this happens a lot. It's easy for us to take up the offenses of others. Some of us are mad at people today who did not directly impact you. It's based on hearsay and half-truths. It's based on indirect contact with the offender. And here's what that means. It means this, that if you, if you find yourself taking up someone else's offense, God doesn't give you grace in that. I've known people who have, who have literally reoriented their lives because they are so offended for someone else. And don't you understand? It's not your fight. You've got to stay in your lane. You know, if there's someone who is close to me and they're embroiled in some sort of, you know, conflict with someone, I can pray for my friend. I can pray for both parties involved. I can do all those things, but I can't be offended for them. And let me tell you something. That's tough whenever you're a parent, isn't it, parents? Because when it's your kid, oh, you know, every parent is about as good as their bad, their worst kid. You know that, right? And yet we have to teach our kids how to do conflict in a healthy way. And we need to know when to back off. And notice this third thing. It's got to be revealed to you by God. So you got to be asking God right now, who, who am I struggling? And why has this become a deep-seated root of bitterness to me? It's got to be removed by grace, but then it's replaced by good. Uh, do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Romans 12, 21 says. You know, I've shared this before, but a number of years ago, I had to get a root canal. It was the most awful experience of my entire life, and I had to get it replaced with a cap. And I'll never forget when that woman came, and she was testing my teeth. She tested it with hot. She tested it with cold. She was hitting them. She hit it with the, with the cold first. That wasn't a big deal. And she finally hit it with that hot. And I'll tell you, when she hit it with that hot, because that tooth was inflamed, I jumped up in that chair, and I've never hit a woman, but I was thinking about it. I'll be honest with you, it hurt so much. And then you know what she did? She fixed the problem. She popped that, that tooth. She drilled a hole in there. She got all that yuck out, put a crown on it. I've been good ever since. Here's what I'm going to say to you. God wants to do the same thing in you. 
the reason some of you today have the pain that you do and the, and the reason you're stuck between here and there is because unforgiveness has actually moved down into a root of bitterness and you got to cut it out. You got to cut it out. You say cut it out. Here's the last point and it's simply this and be ready to forgive on demand. Wow, that's tough, isn't it? <laughs> to forgive on demand. Everything in our lives is on demand. TV's on demand. Food's on demand. Everything's on demand and I would submit to you that God expects you and me to be able to forgive on demand. One time Peter walked up to Jesus and he was asking about how many times he should forgive. And he said this, and then Peter came up to him and he said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. Uh, some translations say 70 times seven, basically an infinite amount of time. See, Peter was trying to say to Jesus, hey, uh, you know, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Because the Jewish rabbis really required four times. And so he thought, you know, hey, I'm giving three more than what is normal. I mean, that's pretty good. And it Jesus, Jesus goes, no, you're supposed to do this infinitely. And I would say this, that God expects you and me to forgive as he does on demand. Because you know what? If you confess your sin right now, you know what he's going to do for that? And you mean business of your heart and you're truly sincere about it. You know what he's going to do? He's going to forgive you. And he expects you and me to be like him. And that is why he has to do this through you and through me. There is no way that we have the ability in our own power to do this. You know, as I look back on my own life and I think about hurts that have been done unto me, and I, and I say this with all sincerity, I'm so grateful that God has given me the ability to forget. Because if he hadn't, I really believe I would be stuck. And some of you today, you need to get unstuck. And you need to simply now let some people go. You know, really and truly, it's simple. If, if you're online with us, I just would simply say this. Um, I started by saying that there's an ax to grind. You know, you have an ax to grind. And what you really need to do is you need to bury the hatchet. You know, this was a practice. That term comes from Native American tribes that used to, when they would be at war with one another, to bring about peace, they would actually take a hatchet, they would write their offense onto the, to the hatchet, and they would bury it. That's where we get the term, bury the hatchet. And some of you, instead of having an ax to grind, you need to bury the hatchet. And maybe from a practical action step for some of you, uh, maybe you should go to your backyard and you should take, I don't know, a wooden spoon or a tongue depressor or just a piece of scrap lumber, whatever it is you have. And like maybe some of you have buried pets, you need to go out and bury this infraction. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kid, maybe it's a friend or someone who was a friend. Maybe it's actually something that happened to you that that person will never be able to ever give you an apology. Friend, there's some, you, you, some of you are waiting on apologies that are never gonna happen. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person, has everything to do with you. And frankly, the, it, if, if you don't let this go, it impacts your relationship with God. Don't give that person so much power. It's all about you and Jesus. Let this other stuff go. Maybe you've never trusted Christ. I'll just say this, if you've never trusted Christ, then you don't have the supernatural ability to bury the hatchet. All you have the ability to do is grind an ax. And I wanna give you an opportunity to trust Jesus for the very first time if you've not done that. 
If you would, you could bow your heads and you could just make my prayer your prayer. You could say, Dear Jesus, I ask that you'll forgive me of my sins. And the best way I know how, I want you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've done that, here's what that means. It means the Bible says the old has been made new, uh, death from life, from death to life. What that means, this Holy Spirit lives in you, and now you have the supernatural ability to not just grind an axe, but to bury the hatchet. And if you've done that, I hope that you'll reach out to one of our folks online. You'll see the way to do that on the screen. Uh, we are always blessed to have the opportunity to share with you from God's Word. And I hope that you'll join us next week as we continue in this series, Unstuck. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be able to forgive as we have been forgiven. And that is totally and completely without, without you mentioning things to bring about guilt and shame in our lives. Lord, because we have been given forgiveness so greatly and so freely, let us extend it that way as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.